0: What up and welcome to a podcast with Mo. I am Mo. This is episode 146. On this episode we are joined by Rusty. He calls in. We talk about the coronavirus, prepping, politics, socialism, healthcare, aliens, polygamy, restaurant talk, Owen Hart, uh, just a variety of shit. So anyway, thanks for checking us out. Cast with Mo. What up? Uh, first things first, I'm going to get on our Patreon, patreon.com slash a podcast with Mo. You should go there, sign up, give me a dollar or more a month, get early access to the podcast. Especially, seems like we'll be talking a little coronavirus today. Uh, and during this time, you know. Getting a little early access might be a pretty cool thing. Um, so think about it. Uh, you could also become a co-producer like my mother, Hurricane Haynes, Marshall Adharma Initiative Bear, Pow Wow, Jay, and Snappy. And uh, that would be awesome. Also, we have a merch shop. I'll put a link. I think it's like Spreadshirt.com slash a podcast with Mo, if I remember correctly. Uh If you're a real badass, you know, you could order one of those, really rep the podcast. You know, especially now you can't go out and shop from the sounds of things. So, you know, shop from your own home in our merch shop. Um, All right, today I'm going to give Rusty a call. Uh, He is my cousin who now lives in Utah. Uh, I had an artist that was going to call again, and, you know, luckily I have Rusty and Pow Wow normally as well for whenever artists fall through on these, and I just kind of give them a call and shoot the shit. So, uh I know we're going to talk about coronavirus a little bit, maybe a little politics. We'll see. Uh, but let's give him a call. Hey, what's up, cuz? Uh, not
1: much, man. How you doing?
0: I'm good. I'm off work for the week. Uh, so that's great for me. Yeah, there you go. And maybe maybe two weeks, right? Right. I'm hoping so. Currently, <laughs> uh, at the time of this recording, a lot's happened since me and Snappy recorded, so we probably should talk a lot about the coronavirus stuff. Um uh, but at the moment, they've only said that extracurriculars are canceled, but school uh, will resume as normal coming back uh-huh. from spring break. But anything could change, you know. Before this even comes out, I'm sure things could change uh, because last time we, uh, last time we had a podcast, we weren't super aware what was all going on. Right after me and Snappy recorded, the NBA canceled their or suspended their season, the NCAA tournament canceled. So uh-huh. a lot of things have happened. And then now I guess I'm still kind of confused that people are like, well, we're just playing it safe or if we're doing all this stuff because it is actually worse than we thought, you know? So what do you know? About yeah.
1: This? Well, so, you know, last time I looked at a map was uh, a couple of days ago and Oklahoma, uh, where, where you're at, hasn't been hit too hard by this stuff yet. Um, but, but here where I'm at, Uh, it's, it's starting to pick up. And so we have over 20 confirmed cases here. Um, and, uh, I just got told today I'm working from home, uh, for the next few days. And my boss is thinking it might be more of a, you know, next few weeks type thing. But, uh, I had a company laptop and took it in and he was telling me that on my second floor, I work on a third floor of a building on the second floor. There was a guy with a confirmed case. Um, And so he's thinking that he's just going to send everybody in our building home and, and try to get everybody working from remotely. But, but the reason for this, uh, you know, you might think like 20 cases in a population of, you know, 1.2 million or something isn't bad. Uh, But whenever they, they look at China, uh, the information that they have coming out of China is what they're doing is is really the only way to, to stop it. Uh, you know, China's numbers, they jumped up to 80,000 pretty quick. It only took it like a couple, a couple of weeks, three weeks, maybe to get up to 80,000 in China. And, uh, they, they had to just like, lock people in their houses and stuff like that and that's that's basically how they've kept those numbers from rising even more right. uh so so that that's kind of where it's all stemming from um, as far as i know uh, but you know you already have places that have community spread uh, so so for instance there's a county here in utah summit county Uh, where I guess this guy went to work, he worked at a bar and grill and he had symptoms, but he didn't know he was like confirmed positive or anything like that. And so then he, he works around his coworkers, he works around food and all that other stuff. And then he gets the symptoms and then goes and gets checked three days later or something like that. And so, you know, they're like, well, how many people in the community have it now? You know, um, and so, so I think that's where they're trying to just lock people out. Um, the governor here issued a, a statement that he strongly recommends that gatherings of over 100 people be canceled. Uh, and then gatherings over 20 people with elderly people involved should be canceled as well. Um, so, so they're really trying to, to hamper it down and, and lock it up. Uh, It's
0: really all just to buy because t- it'll happen regardless. I mean, the wave, from what I understand, but it's to buy time so that they can get a vaccine and a, a cure, hopefully something easy to take care of it for the, you know, the people that are more at risk. Because someone like me and you are probably going to get it and be perfectly fine, from what I understand.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, it, it's all it's all about uh, flattening the curve. I, I don't know. You probably yeah. hear that in the news, uh, and. Um, the The thing that I see with it is you just don't want the the healthcare system overran all at once, right? Right. So
0: like that's the Italy's Uh, things. Like Italy happened, and that's what I I think woke more people up was because like they were kind of treating it like us, and then all of a sudden it was like, oh man, all of our hospitals are full, like just in a blink of an eye, you know. And so that's kind of where the danger is, is we don't have the infrastructure to. Give everyone a bed in a hospital if they all got sick.
1: Right, right. I mean, uh, the the symptoms of the the virus itself aren't terrible, right? Like it, it's compared to the cold or the flu, which even old people, you know, can survive the flu. Right. It's it's not a it's not a life threatening thing, but uh, it it's that it's so. so in certain cases, it's so severe that it causes a lot of pneumonia, you know, like you can't have old people getting double pneumonia,
0: right? They're saying like, like, normally people are dying from getting pneumonia after they get over the coronavirus and when they're elderly, yeah. which is interesting. Yeah. And also, the numbers are a little skewed. I mean, I know Americans did smoke a lot, you know, for many years, but culturally, I would say in the last 20 years, smoking is not as a big of a deal, um, whereas in China, it's like divided by gender. They said it was like 95% of men smoke. So like all these old men that were dying, they all also smoked like a lot of cigarettes. And then the women didn't smoke at all. And like, they were more likely to recover. So sometimes you gotta look at other factors as well. Whereas in here, uh, I think a lot of old people do or did smoke at one time, but probably not the way it culturally is in China at the moment.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, whenever it came to to how the virus affected them i think what was it it was like uh i want to say people over the age of 55 if you were male and you smoked you had a 20% fatality rate and if you were female and you smoked it was like 2% <laughs> so so it's it's definitely odd to see the the virus like you know kind of targeting uh, a certain demographic like it does. Right. It makes, I mean, it makes
0: it makes it seem more like a biological weapon, honestly.
1: Right. Right. I mean, you you have seen this stuff before, though. Um, I did some research on the Spanish flu because like everybody was comparing this to the Spanish flu. Um, was that the one of 1918? Uh, yeah. Yeah.
0: So my history on that, just because you'll know, uh, you know, our English teacher, Miss Bybee, I had her three years in a row. She used to do sophomores and seniors, but for whatever reason, when my came through, she did sophomores and then switched to juniors and seniors. So mm, that year we did three years. Yeah. <laughs> and then that junior year was her first time teaching that she decided to give us a 12 page essay over the influenza epidemic of 1918. And then that was the first time she used the website, Turnitin.com. So you couldn't copy and paste and cheat. And it was the worst thing I've ever had to do. Cause I hate English and writing, uh, <laughs> but I'm very aware of that because of that paper, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So, um, that, that disease, uh, and you, you may already know this, but it, it targeted younger people, right? right? Um, I, I think it was 18 to 32 or something like that was, uh, the demographic that was hit hardest by, by that disease, uh, or that virus. So so it's definitely odd to see but it makes sense whenever you think of just how health uh changes and stuff like that right as you get older but i mean it it's crazy it's crazy i i never really even paused to think about living through a biological thing like this right like i was sure if there was any biological problem or, or something that I had to worry about that I would know for a fact that it came from a lab somewhere, you know? Right. Uh, Cause you, you had SARS and uh, what is it? Mirrors and, Mers- and w- stuff. Yeah. Like that. yeah. So you, so you had these things and I was like, Oh yeah. Weaponized SARS, you know, that's, that's how biological stuff is going to spread. So to, to find out that, You know, we're just as likely to get it transmitted from from animals and it could have this kind of effect on us because like swine flu wasn't that bad. You know, bird flu wasn't that bad. Um, But this seems to be a completely different animal. So,
0: right. Well, and also it's just because there's so little trust in the media, I think it makes it hard to know what's true or not. You know, so like, yeah for weeks and weeks they were saying stuff and i'm like i mean maybe you're telling the truth but maybe you're saying this shit because y'all have commercials and the more viewers you have the more money you get you know <laughs> so you're just trying to get people to watch your show so it's just hard uh, and maybe that's just the cynical american you know perspective but i don't know i just am like i don't believe any of it
1: yeah i mean i don't know all all i know is right about the time uh so Friday, I go to work and, you know, this stuff is starting to pick up, at least uh, throughout my work group and things like that. People are starting to get kind of panicked. And that's about the time that I started developing sinus problems. (laughs) And I was like, oh my gosh, like this is it. Right. I'm getting the coronavirus, which, you know, it it could be. You never know. I never got the flu or I never got like a, a fever. So. I'm thinking it's probably just sinuses, just hacking up some stuff. Right. But this, it's a it's a terrible time because all the symptoms are the same. You got the cold, the flu, the coronavirus, and Strep a seasonal been going
0: around here is also yeah, yeah.
1: It's yeah. Crazy. I
0: also i uh, i smoke the marijuana, so I'll be like coughing somewhere, and people look at me, and I'm like, no, I just I just smoked weed before <laughs> I came here. <laughs> Like don't, don't worry about me.
1: This this is a medicinal cough. Yeah,
0: this is the, my medicine made me do this. Um, I'll let us know in the Discord so everyone should join our Discord or whatever. But last night, uh, yeah, I, I told I think I mentioned the podcast before. Koopy, and I guess mine too. Our, my brother in law, his aunt is married to James Cameron, uh, the director, and so they have all these like crazy fundraisers and stuff. And I've heard some funny stories, of, you know, about. Them, but they texted some family of like had a, some meeting with some military people. And in the next few days, the United States could do the something act. I don't know. I told y'all whatever it was at the time and they could yeah, staff the Stafford act. Yeah. And they could force a quarantine or for two weeks or something like that. And I don't necessarily believe this, but I was kind of telling people at the dispensary I went to when I got back into town today. And then this lady came out of the bag and she had a same text message from a friend who claimed, uh, their friend was in the CIA and gave them a heads up. And I'm like, well, that's crazy. But it also could be a giant hoax to trick people. You know, who knows?
1: It it could be, they, they're just picking something off of Facebook that popped up.
0: Right. So (laughs) I'm not saying it's for sure a real thing, but I can't imagine them like forcibly shutting down. I think they could like strongly recommend, you know, Mm -hmm. but like, I don't, I just can't imagine America. You could tell people like, no, you're not allowed to leave your house. Because I was talking earlier, like, oh, well, we're about taking the dog to the park. My wife's like, well, I don't think you'd be able to leave. And I'm like, but who would stop me? And is there going to be a soldier at the park? Like, I can't imagine that's how that's going to be.
1: You, it- you just have uh, you have that cop pull up, and as they're they're pulling up to talk, to you'd be like, <laughs> <laughs> right, start
0: start coughing. <laughs> yeah, I'm in an open air environment, so don't get closer.
1: Start yeah. sending out
0: warnings. Uh, yeah, it's crazy world. So. We are in a weird thing where people are like, really like, oh, it's the end of the world. So, after I recorded with Snappy for the last episode, you know, I had, we had a few groceries, but not a whole lot. So, Coopy wanted me to take some money after I got off work Thursday because we were off work Friday and she had to do parent teacher conferences all day Thursday. She's like, go get some groceries. So, I went and spent a bunch of money on, on groceries to stock up about, you know, two weeks worth or so, maybe a week and a half. And then we got that text message last night. So, Coopy went and got even more groceries. So, we're, we're loaded up for probably like this week and then two more weeks or so worth of food. If we had to do it. Mm-hmm. Um, I know for you and your church, you know, you've said like it's recommended y'all have however much storage stored up. So I'm sure you're good to go as well, but that's kind of a pain. I don't have the storage to put stuff out. Like My freezer is loaded up with meat right now. Frozen.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's uh it's kind of hard. Cause like we don't, you know, we, we look at things for for long term. So like we have dehydrated peaches or something, you know, and they're good for thirty years. Right. So so we, we got stuff that you, you really don't want to eat unless it's uh yeah, <laughs> you, yeah, yeah, your last option. But uh, yeah, the the church here um they they want you to have prepared um A 48 hour survival kit right so bandages and food and stuff like that for 48 hours Uh, and then they strongly recommend that you have two years of food uh, supply Uh, I I don't know where the two years comes from Uh, I'm sure it goes back to you know uh, Joseph in Egypt told them to store food for seven years or, or something, right? Right. I'm sure there's something related to it, but uh, anyway, so so two years is what they recommend, um, and we're not there yet. We slowly build it up, but I, I'd say we have at least you know three three months worth of beans and. Uh, flour and stuff like that if we if we were rationing you know we wouldn't be living like kings or anything like that but uh, so so that was nice um, to to already have that but whenever it comes to meat you know I mean what do you do for meat like meat doesn't last that long there's very few things you can do to extend the shelf life of meat do we go out and buy a bunch of spam right. you know <laughs> Yeah, so. I got
0: like a, I got some Vienna sausages, you know, taking it to the childhood. Yeah, uh, So yeah. I have some of those just in case. But yeah, I just got a bunch of stuff. I froze like half of it and was like, well, I got stuff for spaghetti and all, you know, random meals for a couple of weeks. But yeah, if it got to like a real apocalypse scenario, I'm just hoping Brahms across the street here um, has at least one <laughs> worker open so I can go over there and get some stuff. There you go. But like, sh- yeah, shelves are empty. I don't know how your stores are there. Uh, I went to Walmart, like I said, to stock up on some stuff. I went to a few different stores. But when I went to Walmart, all the toilet paper was gone, you know, and so that was a big deal. And I happened to go earlier in the day, because everyone was freaking out about toilet paper, I went to a dollar general, and they had like a whole bunch, right? So I was like, okay, and I got twice the amount I would normally get. I just got like basically two packages of the nine so like 18 rolls of toilet paper or something but like we were legitimately out like we actually had like we we're almost out so i actually had to get uh-huh. some and then i guess by the end of the day most places were out and another grocery store i went to um that's kind of like a place like where we grew up one of those old school style grocery stores they had a bunch but walmart was like completely picked over so you could just tell people didn't go to this other local chain as much um uh, but people are really freaking out on the shortage of stuff, you know, like bread will be out, hamburger meat will be gone. And it's like, well, geez, that's okay. I guess y'all don't – y'all never grocery shop ever, and I think that's a lot of it. I think some people only eat out, and now that they're like, wait, I can't? I got to yeah. go buy food, you know, or whatever.
1: Yeah, uh, up here, it's been kind of crazy for a couple weeks now. So, um, you know, we – We bought enough stuff to last us until, uh, new deliveries come out and things like that. Uh, but if, if the nation gets shut down for a month, um, we'll eventually need to buy more diapers for our kids. You know, right Right now we have an extra box for each. Uh, but you know, who knows how fast they'll go through that. Uh, So, so I think we're okay. Uh, Walmart was definitely the first store to get hit by running out of everything. Uh, milk, they ran out of milk really quick, uh, toilet paper. You kind of saw that trickle down to to a lot of stores. I mean, I live in a, a pretty big city here. So to have costco with 700 people show up to go in before 10 o'clock it opens at 10 right and and there's 700 people there waiting to go in uh it's just it's just hard to to fight crowds like that and well, have like,
0: to me that's where people are going to get coronavirus is yeah. someone is in that crowd with it waiting to go into costco
1: with the 700
0: right? people yeah uh, it is interesting it,
1: it doesn't it doesn't make any sense um most of most of utah is prepared though like i feel like it is uh just my my view of it uh you know we have a lot of these emergency doomsdayers and uh stuff like that uh here in utah so so if you buy a lot of these like food storage items, you know, the things that are good for 30 years and things like that. Uh, a lot of them are made here in Utah. This is just like the, the epicenter for doomsday and, and stuff right. like that. So uh, luckily, a lot of people are prepared here. It still is just crazy out there, though. Uh, you know, go, you you mentioned going taking a dog to a park and stuff like that. Uh, I heard one person say like, that would like a park, you know, if you're stuck at home, you want to take your kids out, that would be a good place to go. He says, but how many uh, city workers are going to be sanitizing park stuff? Uh, You know, so it's probably the most unsanitary place.
0: Right. They touch on, they touch everything and climb all over it and (laughs) all of that.
1: Right. Right. So yeah, I don't know. I mean, it definitely is crazy. I, of course, you know, you and I, we didn't live through polio or or anything like that, which you know, was a was a big thing. Right. Well, the, that was
0: different cuz if you got it, you basically died, right? Like this thing like you get it and you're pretty much good, but if you went and visited your grandparents, you might have killed them, and that's a different it's a different scenario.
1: Yeah, the the people that had to live through polio.
0: Right. Like you're you going to take them out with this little it. weak flu. <laughs>
1: Right, right. This is I mean, it's sad. It's sad. It's sad to think about. So, uh, I was planning on coming out that way in May uh, to see my my parents, and uh, they, uh, you know, they're they're in bad health. So I, I wouldn't want to go out there. I heard uh, my my boss has a younger son in in uh, elementary school, and him and his friends were joking about it, calling it the Boomer Doomer. I've also I heard like, the oh.
0: boomer remover. I think yeah. I've seen it on the internet.
1: <laughs> yeah, kind of, kind of, kind of crazy. Yeah, and that's why on
0: the episode that came out before this was snappy. I was saying like, you know, if you didn't know better, you would think it was like Bernie Sanders' evil villain plan of like, I'll show you why you need health care. I'm gonna take out all you old people that are all against it. Like it just, it just, you could see the parody movie right itself um, with all these scenarios, and then. I will say earlier we kept saying about the tests and in so many confirmed cases. Another problem in the US is apparently Donald Trump wasn't real keen on people even getting tested so that it would make the numbers look better because it would say not as many confirmed cases. So like it's it's hard to get a get a test done currently. Like you have to meet a bunch of different standards before they'll even uh test you. So if you are someone like our age and you have some small symptoms, unless like you traveled somewhere, you know, or they have a reason to test you outside of just some symptoms they actually won't from what I understand at the moment
1: well so so the way they they've been working to my understanding is they had limited amount of tests right uh the the u s had a minimal amount of tests that they could do they just didn't have the supplies for it, and so So basically what they were advised to do, um, health officials were to test for the flu. And if it came back negative for the flu, uh, then they would – look at different things like, oh, did you go out of the country and stuff like that and escalate you uh, to be tested. But it wasn't because they didn't want to test you for the numbers. They just didn't have the kits to to test people. I got it. was you. my understanding. Well, I think
0: Trump at some uh, press conference or maybe it wasn't real president. I mean, he might have spoke. I don't know. I know some people were running with something he said, you know, saying like he didn't want people tested. But then again, that's huh. just the world we live in to where someone like me who ha- can't stand Trump defends him like every three weeks on here because people are like (laughs) hating him on something that i'm like well that has nothing to do with him what are y'all talking about Um, yeah i
1: i think he did say like i I believe the united nations or, or something like that offered us uh so many kits and i think he turned it down so that may be that may be what what you're kind of alluding to there because I, I don't think he accepted those. he wanted to produce them here and have the production line here um, which you know seems kind of fool hearted uh, you might as well get all the kits you can right. <laughs> especially especially if they're offering them, yeah, we'll take them you know, but so if you have any questions suggestions or corrections please email us at a podcast with mo that is a -A p-o-d-c-a-s-t-w-i-t-h-m-o at gmail.com perfect boom i did watch a part of the democratic debate last night um so so Bernie and Joe Biden went head-to-head, and of course the, the disaster relief and, and stuff like that was kind of top of the ticket, and Bernie did – he did use this to his advantage. He's like, you know, he's like, if people didn't have to worry about the cost and, and stuff like that of going to the hospital, guess what? There would be more people going to the hospital, and guess what? you'd have more hospital space for more people and this wouldn't be an issue. <laughs> yeah,
0: it does make sense. Right. So. <laughs> uh, I listened to, I think, uh, in our discord, I always recommend you random podcasts to listen to. And, uh, there was one of an economic advisor. I don't remember what podcast Freakonomics, economics, I believe is the one I was, I uh, listened to one day. Yeah, I remember. Yeah, and, that's the one you told me. About. And, uh, I like the way they were talking to people. It was about socialism was what the actual episode was about. It was about the way people don't understand what socialism or how it has different definitions in different parts of the world. And like, so when we call something like a good socialist country, like Denmark or Sweden or whatever, they don't even call themselves socialist, you know? And then we would call like Venezuela socialists if you want to be negative, but even them, they're more of like closer to communism because they do t- overtake so much of the stuff, you know, not just some of it. So, um, It was just really interesting, I think, to like get some perception, perspective, I guess, on all these different things. But a guy explained it of like, you know, instead of people being so, um, you know, binary about it, like for or against, really all it is is you just got to decide where the government line should be. You know, and he's like in a place like Sweden, they believe that the government should cover it, you know, healthcare, But that doesn't mean that would work necessarily in every country and every situation because people have different values and systems set up, but they also have more people that like call in sick or take advantage of the system, you know, but then that's also factored into their, their equations at the end of the day, you know, but then they also mention how they get to uh, benefit from Americans being so innovative and they're probably innovative because they have that make it or break it mentality because you can lose it all. You know, like that is part of the American identity is you, you don't have your savings and you're going to risk it all and it might blow up in your face, but there's plenty of stories of, you know, someone making it. So like, you know, plenty of people have benefited throughout the world off of that, even the ones that have these systems. So it was just an interesting thing. So I'd recommend the Freakonomics podcast about socialism.
1: (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, the the thing that I think about like with socialism uh, is just, how do you determine what quality and and what products are out there? Right, like I think socialism, in a sense, gets rid of the excess that we're used to. You know, you can go and whenever you need like shampoo or something like that, how many different kinds of shampoo do you see on a shelf? And I think in a socialist socialistic uh, society, you wouldn't necessarily see that because. It has to run so efficient that you can't have that surplus or else everybody goes broke. Well, I think that would be more
0: like communism. I would completely agree. But socialism, I think you would say like for shampoo, hopefully the government's not making shampoo. Now, if it got to that point, that would be crazy. (laughs) They're like, no, listen, guys, we're going to take this over because every American deserves shampoo. And I'm not saying that won't happen someday
1: but but the, the the thing is is you you have to you have to fund the the social programs that you have right and so so if you have to fund it not everything's going to survive and and it's kind of it's kind of that way right now but it becomes so much more narrow and th- and that's where i think you see you know all of these different brands and stuff like that kind of phasing out because you know, the, the mom and pop shop that, that needs to sell their bottle of shampoo for eight bucks a bottle because they're just not doing the volume that they need to do. And the production's not streamlined and stuff like that. They wouldn't be able to afford to to pay the taxes and things like that, that the government would require, um, in order for, for them to, to survive. Right. So, um, or to, to fund the social programs and have them survive, and so I think that's where the limiting factor would come into play. And so, you know, whenever you you look at the difference between communism and socialism in that that respect, I think you, you got to be very careful. Or socialism socialism leads into that communistic society uh, just because. Taxes do make or break a business. They make or break a, a family. You know things like that, and, and those programs do do need to be funded, and, and that's that's the biggest hurdle I see. Is how do you how do you get running so lean that you can afford to do it all?
0: Well, right. And my thoughts normally go to, and I'll even leave the military out of it because typically my go to answer is. Just take money from the military because we spend a whole bunch on them and more than anyone else. Uh, It's kind of like if I flash back to, you know, college days, I sold little drugs, uh, just pot, not like real drugs. And, you know, so let's say I knew a guy and he would get me like a pound for seven hundred dollars. But if there was a way I could get to the guy he got it from and I could get it for five hundred dollars, fuck that middle guy. You know, that's like where I was at because I would rather save me two hundred dollars. And I think that's how a lot of people, myself included, kind of feel about the middleman of the insurance companies. You know, yeah, it just fuck the middle. Fuck them. I don't care. Uh, they've been swindling people out of stuff and, and driving up the cost of everything for years so they get what they deserve. Um, also, with the insurance companies, we basically just have a bunch of small worst case scenarios that people pitch for the, you know, universal healthcare of like, Oh, you don't get choices. Neither do I I have healthcare right now. That's like, here's all your in network shit. If it's out of that, you pay more. So like, they're not, it's an issue too. Like none of it's easy. So I think if you had a whole bunch of money and, you know, I think it would all work regardless. So you should probably be cool there. I think there would always be private practices, you know, for a little extra money that probably will be the best stuff. Cause that just is the American way. Um, and I it would definitely negatively affect me if they done universal health care. Like I don't ever go to the doctor. So my taxes would uh-huh. go up and I would probably still not go to the doctor and then I would just be paying money for nothing. So sure? <laughs> I don't necessarily know if I'm for it, but I like the I the well, heart behind it, you know. I get the idea.
1: But Aaron, you what you don't understand is that in the long run you will save lots of money. And you will not have to worry about anything. <laughs> yeah, that's very
0: true. Very true. Um to think what else is going on. Yeah, politics-wise, I'm kind of out on all of it. I think Trump will probably win again. Is my guess at the moment. I think the only thing that. Oh, real quick on the coronavirus because this kind of all leads together. I have heard a couple of theories of this was was all planted and happened because the financial market was going to crash anyway. That they like there was some prediction, so they've released this to have some sort of uh, excuse built in for why the market crashed. And I thought that was a pretty ballsy conspiracy theory mm-hmm. out there, but that's the new one picking up steam. So well, look into it. I,
1: the, on a, there was a podcast with uh, Joe Rogan, and they had that uh, Michael Osterholm on there, right? And he said that they could, uh, you know, forensic wise, see that this virus came from an animal.
0: Right, which, I didn't, which didn't make sense to me. but Yeah, I mean. Only because they said they knew it started with a bat, went to another animal, and then went to a human. And it's like, well, what's that other animal? And he said, I don't know. And I'm like, well, then how do you right. – I don't know. I didn't <laughs> like that answer.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, and then – I, yeah, I don't know. I mean he, he knows more than me. I mean, he, he probably even thinks the earth is round. I don't know, you yeah. know, but, uh, I, I kind of, I kind of default to that. I am kind of a conspiracy theorist myself and knowing that the wet market where, uh, this virus originated, uh, is like two blocks away from the the Chinese equivalent of a CDC, uh, kind of it has me a little suspicious, you know, right. Uh, Maybe, maybe one of the workers just stopped to get some turtle on his way home and had a little something on his sleeve or something. But, uh, you know, when it comes to stuff like that, I just don't know. I don't know.
0: Right. Well, I think it's also more fun to believe the crazy versions of stuff. You know, I'll, I will say that as a, something against myself, but yeah, I just think, I I know the first week, it you know, was got a lot of steam. Maybe not the first, maybe within the first month, there was something I'd read, and again, this could have all been fake because what do I know? And it was like, if you look at it from a molecular level, there's like this spike that could easily, maybe not easily, but could be done with uh, what's that thing, splicer, whatever it is that they have that uh, they mess with DNA or whatever. Like they're like this one thing on the coronavirus molecular level, it looks like something a human would have done. You know, just by clicking and dragging, sort of thing. This is the way it was kind of explained in this article, and I was like, "Oh, that's really fascinating." Now they could have made all that shit up and made it to read good, you know. So I would be like, "Oh, fun," but I well, enjoy that idea of like, "Oh yeah, I could see this totally getting out of hand." And then China's overpopulated; it attacks old people, so it's like for uh, them to wipe out their older population. That whole theory is just a more fun version of the story. I feel like.
1: Yeah, I mean. I'm sure it's all possible, but like like looking at it and seeing where it could be genetically altered and stuff, right? Like haven't the ancient aliens and stuff like that talked about that with the human DNA where it's like, oh, if you look at strand 23 or something like that, it's missing half a chromosome or, or something. And it looks like that could have been just removed, surgically removed. And yeah. that gene makes us human instead of uh a pig or, or ape or something, right?
0: <laughs> right. Well that's totally what happened. You know, I'm all about hair and ancient <laughs> aliens. So anything they pitch I'm pretty much for it. Unless they are something of I used to love watching ancient aliens with powwow because we would always pick up on them and be like, and you see this and that could be that, which means definitely aliens existed. And you're like, <laughs> wait, 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 wait. You've done a lot of ifs and it could be and then all of a sudden it turned into a definitive answer. So uh, I, I can
1: I can picture that uh that that dude with his wild hair just <laughs> holding up his hands. You know that meme? Yeah, uh, aliens. There there's a guy that I used to uh, play online video games with, and. Uh, Whenever I joined uh, the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, became a, a Mormon, uh, the, this friend of mine, he he thought it was kind of funny. He sent me this this meme of that guy, that ancient aliens guy, and it said there have been uh, 200 and some odd, I don't know, it was, it was some number of uh, married or what was it? there's so many married people in the, in the U S or something. Right. Mm-hmm. And it was an odd number. Right. right. I've had seen so that. He's like, yeah. So, so it was that guy and it said Mormons, right. Cause you know, polygamy or right. whatever. But <laughs> Yeah. we So, talk- so I always picture that guy.
0: Right. Uh, and snappy talked about polygamy on an episode, I think last week, whenever it was you know, we were both seen to be pro polygamy. Um, mine is only because of the TV show Sister Wives. I watched it in that first episode. They convinced me that it seemed to work well with consensual adults. So more power to them. <laughs> if you can afford it, there you then go. figure it out. Uh, I don't really care where I'm at.
1: Yeah, I don't I don't know.
0: Uh, I don't think I'm I, I could do it. Don't get me wrong. I could barely take care of why well, don't my wife take care of it. Takes care of me, <laughs> so I would not be the one for this uh, religion uh, sect, you know. But if you can, go for it. I,
1: I mean, I think I think whenever I joined this church, uh, that was probably one thing I had the the biggest problem with, because like you know my my mom like she she was single for for most of my life right uh she she had a uh, husband every now and then and things like that but uh i I look at it Mm. and oh my gosh Uh, that's the first time i remember (laughs) uh the
0: first time i ever heard you cuss was at pod and i was like "Ooh, he really don't lock in
1: Yeah, I I don't think you were over at the house the time I tried to shoot him with a blowgun. <laughs> <laughs> I can I remember the blowgun though. But, so, <laughs> but uh, yeah, you know, I I look at the way like these guys treated her and stuff, you know, and uh, I sit there and I, I try to think of like how I thought a woman should be treated, right? Like how my mom should be treated. And I just can't picture it in a polygamy setting, you know? I mean, for, for some people, maybe that's what they like or whatever. But, but for me, I look at it and I'm like that, that woman deserves so much more attention and affection and stuff like that. How do you, how do you give them all that? If you have 23 kids and six other wives, you know? Uh, and, and so like looking at the, the the church history and stuff i struggled with it for a while because i'm like i'm like that doesn't make sense and uh, do, do you care to hear the the story of how it originated in the church
0: oh uh, yeah go for it i
1: mean i would say my
0: guess was always they just needed more people so they were like well, well the quickest way to do that more wives so
1: so i think maybe that that's why it happened right because because the church needed members to survive, you know. Right. And so so this was definitely a way to have that happen. Plus uh you know, you had like civil war and stuff like that about to break out and things like that. So so you needed uh you you had all these people like more women that were available than men. And so this became a way to take care of those that had uh, their husbands die or, or something like that. Cause now they were at least part of a household. Uh, but, but anyways, uh, as far as how it became related to, to the church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints, uh, Joseph Smith, I guess maybe he, he had talked about it with, uh, you know, of course he, he received revelation related to it, but, uh, he talked about it with his wife and stuff, and his wife, her name was Emma. She was not happy with it at all. Like, she, I think she was very frustrated. And then uh, he get he got up and he gave a, a speech, like a, a sermon or whatever. And like, and, and this takes a lot of faith, right? Because uh, he gets up there and he says that that God condemned her for acting that way to him. Right. And, and so you read stuff like this, you're like, Oh man, like he's using religion to justify like, right. There's no other
0: way that from like, you know, the way I, I kind of think it's hard for me not to see this as a guy trying to get him an extra side piece. His wife's like, "Uh uh-uh, I ain't having that. And then he goes up there goes, let me use my political influence in the community to shame you for it. I don't know. That's how it reads to me.
1: That's the way it came across to me as well, but then like looking through uh, journal accounts and stuff like that from from all the different people that he was married to, uh, it turns out that a lot of them he didn't even you know sleep with. It was more or less his understanding of like the afterlife kind of affected it a little bit. So so for instance, he married uh, one of his friend's wives. And he never slept with that lady according to the records, but he married her because he thought that he wanted to be in heaven with uh, his friend. And he thought that through marriage, that created an eternal bond that, that went beyond the grave. And so he was going to be in heaven with his friend forever because they were married to the same woman.
0: So he just basically originated Eskimo brothers.
1: Right. It's <laughs> <That's> awesome. <laughs> so, so, so there, there's a lot to it as far as, as how it, it's uh, been implemented in modern day. But then you see like the, the sex, like the Warren, Warren Jeff sex, uh, sex. I don't know if right, I, know.
0: with a C and a T on the end. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: where, where they're doing stuff with like arranged marriages with 14 year olds and things like that. and, I'm I'm sure thought. That's what I've
0: always thought of. Until I saw the sister wives, I always thought of you know the old rich guys. Whoever has the most money gets the young pretty girl, and now she's one of many wives. You know, and that's how I kind of always imagined it. And uh, like I said, sister wives, it made sense because as you said, you know, someone that showed attention, this guy really he gave more attention to his three wives than most husbands do to one you know and he really tried real hard and uh one of them stayed at home to help you know keep the house one worked part-time and the other one was a good businesswoman, you know so she wanted to work and so she got to do that and i don't know it seemed to work really well for him but it got to be a problem because this fourth woman came in at the end of the first season and she wanted to have her own house separate from them where they had Mm. all lived and like so it kind of showed the bad side too right where there can be jealousy and stuff but the the three that were in it together originally of those sister wives, they seemed to, they had an understanding, they had and they had it right. They had a plan, a system, and I remember thinking, just like, oh yeah, seems to work for them. I don't see a problem at all. But I know uh, different people would feel different ways. And again, I don't think I could pull it off. So, I'm not saying that's something <laughs> I'm going to try to do.
1: Yeah, uh, yeah, it's it seems like a lot of a lot of work. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so since um, I mean,
0: I might be able to grill. You know, I guess I could still go outside, but I have a lot of um, of meat to cook. And I know in the last episode, me and Snappy, for some reason, we're talking about steak. And then uh, I mentioned how you used to work at a steakhouse, and so you might have some insight on how you know good ways to cook steaks.
1: Oh, dude! So the the best steak that I ever cooked at that steakhouse. So you you take the steak. And, you know, you're looking at getting something that's, you know, inch and a half thick or so, not one of those like little flimsy steaks that you get at Walmart, right? Right. So you get something that has some thickness to it and you'll throw it down on the grill. And I I don't know, how do you usually tell how done your meat is? I use Uh, a
0: meat thermometer personally.
1: Okay. So... So I'm, I'm not big on puncturing the meat or anything. And this is something that I, I fought with my father-in-law on a lot because <laughs> he was a cutter. Like, right, that's how my dad would do it. And he cut it. and I'm like, you're letting all those juices out. What's wrong with you? So at the steakhouse, we learned to kind of tell how done the meat was by just touching it with the tongs and feeling the firmness, how much it bounces back. So like, if you think of of your meat, whenever it's rare, it's really rubbery, you know? It's got a lot of elasticity to it. It bounces back and stuff. Uh, and then as you cook it, it gets a little tougher and tougher and tougher. So, like, as you're sitting there touching it, you can kind of feel how done it's getting cooked. And so after you learn that, then you can tell. But, but anyway, so back, back to how I cooked it. Uh, I would take this steak – and I'd cook it to medium rare, so so it was still fairly fairly red on the inside, you know. Right. And then I I would take a, a pan while while that's cooking. I took a pan and I put Worcestershire sauce in there.
0: My favorite. And right. I don't
1: know, I don't know if I'm saying it right, but that's how I'm going to say it. I say so,
0: Worcester, but who knows? <laughs> or Worcestershire is actually what I normally say. Worcestershire.
1: <laughs> there you go. So so I put that in a pan and I put that on the grill right next to the steak chopped up some jalapenos, threw that in there, and just let that simmer and bubble. And then I take the steak. It's medium rare. I take it off, and I slice it into like little bitty uh, – almost like a, a filet that you'd eat on like a uh, – I don't know. Uh, blah, 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 what am I thinking of? Mexican dish.
0: Like a fajita?
1: fajita that's that's what i'm saying <laughs> so so i I'd, I'd cut it into strips like a fajita and then i would throw it in the pan with the the sauce and let it just simmer in that pan for a little bit and then i'd take that pan and we had a mirror top uh and i just throw it on the mirror top and it just sear and like it'd make you choke because all that all the peppers in there had like a, a pepper gas effect to them so, so it'd make you choke a little bit, but it would just sear all those flavors on there, and you would taste it. Oh, so good, so good. Sounds I good. put on, uh, I put on about forty pounds working there. So <laughs> right,
0: I remember I used to love visiting you whenever you worked there because I knew we'd get to go eat, and it was a basically like a golden corral kind of, uh huh, was what it was. But a little more on the steak, and they have another one in Ardmore that I grew up eating at, and I'm just a big fan of the place. So, um definitely if I, I hate the town of stillwater but if i ever make it back i'll have to eat, eat
1: there <laughs> dude it's a uh, it's it's always funny I, if anyone listening has ever worked in uh, a, a restaurant like that all you could eat restaurant you'll know where i'm coming from but like people are crazy <laughs> they're just crazy in the way they treat all you can eat food like i understand you know if you pay for a, a plate of food and you don't like the quality of it, like you're really upset because you played paid for that plate of food. But at an all-you-can eat restaurant where there's multiple types of food out there, you know, for you to eat, like to have somebody complain about one item not being up to par and acting like they want all of their money back because guess what? The hash browns were somewhat dry or something right like like no one else complained about it there's other items you don't like the hash browns don't eat hash browns like
0: (laughs) i just i can't stand people that complain about stuff in places now uh, I know me and Snappy have this. Uh, I don't know if we have the argument on the podcast, but on our Ada area rants and raves, you know, people are always complaining about restaurants. And the first comments always seem like, well, did you tell the manager? And Snappy's very much on the side. If you don't complain to the manager, then you have no right to complain. And I'm never going to complain to a manager in a restaurant ever. Like, uh-huh. I mean, it would have to be really messed up stuff for me to complain, you know, like, um, so like it's just a different. Thought, pro- you know, I'm just never going to be that person uh, out there. But I, I remember when Hastings was still in business and this woman went to go buy something. It cost like $5 more than what she thought it was going to be her total. So uh-huh. she threw a big fit and made them refund her card, and then they did. And then they go, okay, the refunds for you know on a debit or debit card take twenty-four to forty-eight hours of process. And this woman lost it in the store. Like she refused to leave the line. She was shutting the place down. They had to call the cops to escort her out. And it was like she did it herself because she wanted the refund. So now she didn't have her movies and she didn't have her money until the next day. And I just <laughs> I, don't know, I thought it was so funny. I enjoy when that happens.
1: You know, on on a certain level, like I agree. You know, the the manager's probably who you should complain to, just because like a lot of times the worker isn't the one that that has any control over it, right? It's, especially in like a retail sense, you know.
0: Right, or uh, if the manager doesn't know, they can't fix it. I get the idea.
1: Yeah, but like it, at least from my experience, people would complain just to complain. There was a there was a guy. Uh, that would come into this all-you-could-eat steak buffet. And I would watch him. And I later ended up working with him at a different job (laughs) and realized that, yeah, he's just that crazy. But like, he would take, and he would go up, and he'd get a steak. He'd ask for it to be medium well. And i cook him this steak, and he would take it. And I'd see him, he'd walk back to his table. He'd cut it in half. Take half of it, fold it up in a napkin, put it in his pocket, eat the other half, and then come back up. And he'd be like, Ah, that steak just wasn't good. You know, he's like, I don't think you cooked it long enough. He's like, Can I get another one? And I'm like, yeah, sure. I was like, it's all you could eat.
0: Like, yeah, you don't have to have an excuse. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> but but later I found out what he was doing because I worked with him, right? He would go and he'd take that other half home to his dog and feed it to his dog. I don't care, <laughs> right? <laughs> right? But But like – for him to act like he needed a reason to get another steak. I wasn't thinking he was fat or anything. They were eight ounce sirloins. Like, yeah, you could eat two of those.
0: Right. (laughs) Okay. When I go to the one in Ardmore with my parents, we'll meet them there sometimes. I love, they have the brisket or when they do have the brisket and they have the worker, there slicing it, you know, for you. I love that. And, Honestly, I don't try to complain. They just try to give me one, and I'm like, bro, look at me. Give me two or three of those. Months. I'm <laughs> going to come back later if you don't now anyway, so let's just load it up. And then, yeah, the steaks, the way they do it, the one in Ardmore is the waitress will ask you, and then they'll bring you the steak. so you don't actually see the people cooking the steaks. Uh, tip, I don't believe so anyway, and so that way it kind of puts a limit on them, but they'll be like, well, did you want another steak? And I'm like, yes, bring me another steak. <laughs> what the hell? If you're going to offer it, I'm going to take
1: it. Like, Dude, it's like the the French fries at Red Robin, right? They, they come out and they give you like a dozen French fries. Uh, they give you a dozen French fries and they, they give it to you with your meal. And you sit there and you eat your meal, you eat your hamburger, you eat those dozen fries. And you're sitting there waiting for more of your all-you-can-eat fries. And the waitress isn't coming by and you're like, just give me more fries. I've actually gotten to where – uh, I'll ask them for fries before my burger comes. I'll be like, yeah, can you go ahead and bring me out an order of those fries? Cause I'm going to need about three of those before I leave this place. So
0: <laughs> you have to, I do the same thing with, as you mentioned, our fajitas at Mexican restaurants. Uh, I'll always be like, all right, can you go ahead and bring me a second order of tortillas? And they're like, what? And I'm like, I'm going to eat the three tortillas you bring me <laughs> and I'm going to want three more to keep making my fajitas with. <laughs> so just bring them all at the front at the first time you bring them. Absolutely. And they always act like I'm a crazy person. But, you know, they give you that plate of like lettuce and rice and beans and guacamole. So I always load up my fajitas full of stuff, you know, so I can make them stretch. And then, But they always uh-huh. act really weird when I'm like, well, just give me more tortillas. Like the best part of Mexican food are homemade tortillas.
1: So just oh, give absolutely. me tort-
0: just give me the tortillas. That's why we liked your, uh, you know, I guess our friend, I shouldn't say your friend, uh, Lewis, but he was your best friend back in the day. And uh, I enjoyed going to his house because his mom was making homemade tortillas. I was like, God, this is so great.
1: Love oh, that. man. <laughs> I remember uh, whenever we were, Lewis and I were roommates for a little bit in, in college and uh, oh, he, he had that tortilla press. And I didn't even know that you needed special flour for tortillas, but he'd go out and he'd get that special flour and make those. Oh, so good.
0: It was great. Um, It was weird because I lived with, I lived next to him my whole life forever Uh until I left work. like his family lived next to us in the, in the circle, which is a low income housing where we're from. And then as soon as we moved to the house I grew up in, they moved in the house, like right behind me. So they just always lived, (laughs) lived next to me. And I still need to verify with him. I'll just see him on Facebook someday. I'm I'm almost for sure his dad killed a deer with his bare hands. And I remember that story yeah. so well. But every time I've told it to someone now as an adult, they look at me like I'm lying, like I'm just a one-upper storyteller. And I'm like, I'm dead serious. From my knowledge, no. he, he killed a deer with his
1: bare hands and they ate deer tacos for like a year. Like that's that, what I remember. <laughs> that, is a, that is a legitimate story. I remember it because uh, – I was giving his dad a ride home like him and his dad needed a ride somewhere. And I remember just pulling up and his dad didn't speak English. Uh, he he knew maybe a few words, right? Anyway, Very so, little. so we pull up to to their house and he just get, gets out of the car and he runs. He he just runs to the backyard. And uh, I was like, Lewis, what was that all about? He goes, I don't know. And so, like, I was like, all right, well, I'll see you guys later. And, like, I pull out. And uh, the the next day, Lewis is telling me how his dad – I guess he had a pocket knife, right? So so he had a knife in his pocket. Uh, Lewis' dad did. And so he saw that deer in the backyard, and he just took off running, pulled the knife out, and killed the knife with a deer. Or killed the deer with a <laughs> knife. <laughs> so, uh yeah, that, that's a true story. I remember going over there and seeing the parts hanging up like they right. had. Like, that's the,
0: what I remember, too, is the parts hanging on the back of the porch. Yeah. So anyway, crazy stories. And that's why I think you got to be more open to immigrants, you know, because if it wasn't <laughs> for that, we wouldn't have that awesome story of Lewis family. I also remember very well. Lewis buying one of the pay-per-views you know back in the day we used to always p- pitch him money for a wrestling pay-per-view and uh yeah he got one of them and whenever we were getting like the English one his mom being so confused like no Espanol like <laughs> y'all are and but Lewis was like no I mean we have white people here watching or whatever and I was like yeah I'm not watching that <laughs> but I remember her being just so confused like why are we watching this English pay-per-view
1: right. you paid for this on my TV
0: <laughs> right that's exactly the thought <laughs> And I'll be like, "Oh, I'm sorry." Um,
1: yeah, but- I think that was a crazy pay per view too, right? Wasn't that the wrestling one where like Owen Hart fell from the rafters? Probably it was around that time period. Um, I mean, that's when
0: I was yeah. really into wrestling. It was crazy.
1: I just recently recently found out. So this is a little side tangent, but uh, that pay per view. So so Owen Hart was a wrestler wwf at the time i believe right uh fell from the rafters and uh died during the pay-per-view and they they continued the pay-per-view which is insane to think about <laughs> right that uh, would not happen today. no no not at all and like no one was an owen hart fan right oh no, like, everyone hated you, him
0: he was the, a hill but not a yeah good, he wasn't like a fun hill like stone cold or the rock early on he was like a, a douchebag hill
1: <laughs> right right they, they called him nugget and so i, I remember people chant uh, chanting nugget and he yeah. be like i am not a nugget <laughs> like, <laughs>
0: and then his and Bret Hart wasn't very i mean he was like the uh, uncool guy's version of a cool guy so like he didn't even have that relationship of making him better at least yeah. that's how i thought about it
1: but but i recently found out and this makes me i feel bad because you know the guys just deceased but like i disliked him even more as a wrestler uh whenever i found out that the reason stone cold steve austin's career it was kind of short was because of owen hart owen hart gave him a pile driver and actually messed up the uh three vertebrae in his neck and that's why stone cold steve austin's career was a little shorter than normal
0: right and he's already doing a lot of promos from hospital beds about how he's going to fuck up Vince McMahon or whatever. It yeah. led to, they did a lot with it, you know, they really used his acting and charisma. But yeah, you didn't get to see as much of Stone Cold in the ring anymore. He would just right. come out, glass shatter, he would Stone Cold stun you, drink a beer and leave. You yeah, know, they weren't doing a real match with him there for a while. So,
1: so yeah, that was that was Owen Hart's uh handiwork. And I, I kinda I kinda thought of it like looking at that, like how would you feel, right? If you were like the top star in in wrestling or something like that and then somebody like owen hart is the one that ruined your career (laughs) you know like like it seems like a wasted opportunity at least if you were like you know the undertaker slammed you through a cage or or something like that you're like oh well at least it looked cool and it was done by the undertaker right Like Uh, something
0: someone remembers at least because I don't I mean you mentioned the Owen Hart Stone Cold Steve Austin match I couldn't tell you what that was no
1: not at all not at all
0: I remember him dressing up as a blue bird there at the end and he was stealing someone else's outfit or it's like I don't there was some reason he was jumping from the rafters that was weird and then I felt like they were only doing it because Sting was doing it in WCW and he was the best so it was like it was just a whole weird scenario in general yeah but all right. all right, man. I think we covered coronavirus and some other stuff. I think we got plenty here. But I do appreciate you being on, and uh, you know, we'll talk about more. People should join our Discord so y'all can join me and Rusty in our political debates. Not even debates, really. Uh, no, this more of a like. Here's what I think's going on, and people are like, "Yeah, sounds about right."
1: So yeah, yeah. Everybody, uh, stay safe out there. Hopefully. Hopefully the government doesn't shut uh, everybody down for a couple weeks or even a couple months because that would be crazy. Uh, hopefully we can start to get things back to normal before long. So Right.
0: It would be a dangerous precedent if they do that. Then I think it will just happen all the time. Like yeah. In a different world if that starts happening. So, But all right, man. Peace. Yeah. See you.